Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host today, Susan Deniker, a partner with Steptoe & Johnson PLLC. Along with bringing you updates and critical events happening around the world, we are also fortunate to have the chance to dial in our local ELA lawyers that practice on the ground in these jurisdictions and are working daily to help their local clients move through these difficult times. On the program, we span the globe and have received updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we are going to be chatting with a member from Florida. I'm very excited that joining us today on the program is Sarah Reiner, a shareholder at Gray Robinson. Today, Sarah will discuss with us what to expect regarding the long-anticipated OSHA emergency temporary standard regarding COVID. Welcome to the program, Sarah. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. And I want to say thank you as well for inviting me to join you today. Well, Sarah, I think I can speak on behalf of our audience and state that we're really excited to talk about this. This is something that many of us have been thinking about and talking about for some time as we've been dealing with the COVID pandemic. And so folks want to know what in the world is going on with this proposed emergency temporary standard. Can you give us a little bit of history on OSHA emergency temporary standards and what we should be thinking about in terms of those? Absolutely. So first, let me start off by saying that for those of you who don't know, an emergency temporary standard is something that OSHA is authorized to set that take effect immediately and are in effect until they are superseded by a permanent standard, but they're only allowed to implement these under certain limited circumstances. And it's called an emergency standard for a reason. And the reason it's limited in terms of when it can be used is because there's a shorter trigger on it. So whereas you'd normally have to jump through, you know, 10 different hoops to implement a a regulation that's going to be applied to an industry or to employers or, or anyone else, because of the emergency status, they're skipping some of those steps. And so that's why OSHA is really kind of limited and when it can and cannot use an emergency temporary standard. So setting that aside, they have been issued before. OSHA has issued them nine times. Out of those nine, six of the nine were also challenged. And of those six, only one actually went into effect. So OSHA has not been what we would call, you know, extremely successful with respect to both issuing and then implementing emergency temporary standards in the past. Sarah, thanks for that background. That's very interesting in light of the fact that, as I noted earlier, we have been waiting, expecting that OSHA was going to issue an emergency temporary standard related to COVID. And here we are more than a year into this pandemic, and we haven't seen one. Do you think OSHA's past experience and lack of success with prior emergency temporary standard issuance has resulted in the delay here? I think that that is very much part of the issue. OSHA is only authorized to issue these temporary standards if doing so is necessary to protect workers from grave danger. And although I think everyone would say that COVID presented a grave danger, particularly when the pandemic initially came about. At this point, we are well into the vaccination process. 
at least here in the United States. As of this past week, 50% or more of adults have received at least their first vaccination shot. And so you see this kind of sense that the most significant danger has passed and people have learned how to protect themselves, whether they've been vaccinated or not, for that matter. Wearing masks are more common and making sure that individuals social distance and, and take those necessary precautions. I think that many are questioning whether or not OSHA still has a basis at this point in time to go ahead and issue that rule. And I think it's a valid question because timing can be everything when you're talking about something that depends on an emergency status. And to your point, Sarah, do we actually have an emergency 14 months or longer into this pandemic? Do you think that that creates a problem with having an emergency temporary standard when arguably the emergencies passed us? Yes, it does. And if you look back, I think 1983, if I'm not mistaken, was the last time one of these was issued and it dealt with asbestos. And ultimately it was overturned and the rule was blocked because OSHA failed to show that it was really necessary to alleviate a great risk of worker deaths during the limited applicability of the rule. And so I think that that is kind of where we are now as well, particularly, like I said, in in light of the vaccination process and the way things are moving forward here in the United States. I, I think that at the very least, any emergency temporary standard issued or approved will likely be challenged. Well, let me ask you to put your psychic abilities to work here, Sarah. If we do see an emergency temporary standard issued by OSHA, what do you think the parameters of it will likely be? That's a great question, Susan. And I guess what I would say here is I can't really give you any definitive answer on that, but the Department of Labor has given us some pretty good clues. They have issued a statement after the emergency temporary standard was sent for review. And in that statement, they said that the ETS will likely require employers to develop some sort of written COVID-19 prevention program. And the idea there is to create a plan that prevents employee exposures in the first place. So that's going to be important. The other thing that I think that we need to focus on is industries themselves. So any kind of ETS is going to focus on the industries that have more employees that are likely to come into contact with COVID. So for instance, I think we may have even mentioned before, you have manufacturing, you may have people in healthcare, you may have people in the food industries. Some of those industries that you saw were hit the hardest with COVID exposures and then illnesses and and recovery time. And so those are really the people who who need to focus on their prevention methods and policy development the most so that they can be prepared to comply with any ETS and the other guidance that OSHA has issued. Sarah, you talked about specific industries likely being impacted by the anticipated emergency temporary standard, but has OSHA already put into place some guidance or rules for specific industries to be following as it relates to pandemic response? Yes, it has. And so throughout the course of the pandemic, OSHA has issued guidance and certain programs or plans to give direction to employers on steps that are to be taken to protect employees and workers. One of those is the National Emphasis Program, or you'll hear people say an NEP. 
that's a temporary program that focuses OSHA's resources on particular high hazard industries. And so you might see an NEP again with respect to the healthcare industry or maybe the food processing industry or something like that that deals with COVID. And the intent there is to really provide reports and analysis of inspection findings and other information and resources. And, you know, there will be stepped up reviews as well and inspections to make sure that those industries are taking the safety precautions that are deemed necessary to protect workers. Another one is an ERP, and that is an enforcement response plan. And, you know, there's a current interim enforcement response plan in place. And that will, again, target certain high hazard industries and work sites where they may have high frequency of exposures. And I think OSHA just actually recently updated its interim enforcement plan in response to President Biden's recent executive order or, or back in January. And so those are all things that have been done throughout the course of the pandemic to address COVID and give employers direction on how they are to best protect their workers. Sarah, that background is really very helpful. So tell us, what do we look for now from OSHA in the next month or two, do you think, as it relates to COVID and employer requirements? You know, I think there are several things to consider. And this is regardless of whether or not the ETS is actually issued and implemented. And, you know, first of all, the ETS generally applies only in states that follow federal OSHA regulations you know, Texas, Florida, and other states like that. But regardless of where you are, as an employer, OSHA expects you to implement safety measures, not only for the physical well-being of your workers and your employees, so to prevent accidents from occurring at the work site, but they also require you to implement practices to prevent illnesses at the work site that can be avoided. And so whether we're talking about COVID or some other communicable disease, it's a good idea to have in place some sort of a response plan or some sort of a policy that says, generally speaking, employees, we expect you to do A, B, and C to minimize the occurrence of exposures to communicable diseases. You know, COVID has really brought the issue to light because nobody, you know, and even from my generation, nobody has seen a pandemic like this, at least here in the United States, with so many deaths occurring so quickly and on such a a massive scale. And so that's, I think, an area of policy and practice that, that many employers have kind of pushed to the back burner until now. And I don't think that they can do that anymore. So the biggest takeaway for me is whether you're talking about COVID or not, whether you expect the ETS to be issued or not, and whether or not you expect it to apply to you or your state has its own OSHA plan, I would strongly encourage you to talk to your employment council. And if you don't already have a plan in place, go ahead and design one that is a good fit for your industry, your particular business, and to ensure the protection of your workers. 
Sarah, thanks so much for your thoughts today. I know this is something that's been on the mind of a lot of folks as we watch this pandemic unfold and we watch what OSHA and other federal agencies are doing in response to it. Thanks so much for your time today. You're very welcome. And it was absolutely my pleasure to be here. If you'd like to connect with Sarah, please click on her bio in the description of this podcast. Also search the ELA website at ela.law where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Susan Deniker. Thanks so much for listening.